And welcome to another family reunion here at Reformation Lutheran Church. And it's nice to see all of you here, and especially as we're getting near to uh, all that vacationing that's going to happen here. Uh, but uh, welcome, welcome. And um, I want to welcome, but without pointing too much direction to her, but John Graham, my oldest son, is here, and his beloved Kelly is with him. So say hi to her. Oh, yeah, yeah. That's clapworthy. And, that's, and I'm not going to point you out anymore, except for in the sermon, and uh, just teasing. But uh, I would like to direct you to the bulletin here, and on the back of our bulletin today, uh, or, well, in next week, there's a list of people that give their time, and I want to just shout out to them today, um, to Pastor Ken, thank you for, you know, whatever you do here. Uh, to Iris, who is our greeter this morning, and to Randy, who is our usher, and to Ken, who is going to be reading our scripture this morning, um, to Roger and Debbie, who are double dipping here. They're doing uh, communion and the fellowship for us, so thank you for that. And uh, on the board, our soundboard is uh, the fabulous Tim O'Donnell back there. There he is, yeah. And he works awfully hard. And one of the things uh, coming up as a member of a church and then as a junior pastor, it came to me that the only time anyone looks at the sound room is when something messes up. Otherwise, it's out of sight and out of mind. Mess up. So, so turn around and say, thanks, Tim. <laughs> And then uh, Alter Guild, that is, uh, I'm grateful. And LaVon and Bonnie and Karen, thank you for your faithfulness uh, of this week after week. Sometimes they come here and stuff is set up and not this way set up and all that, but thank you for, for that. Thank you very, very much. And uh, that is one less, one more thing this month. Uh, our mission jar is going to be going to um, Care Connection. I don't think the jar's out there right now, but that's okay. The jar is in the office. But it's, it is, right, Ashley, going to... Um, July. In July. Okay, so yes. Okay, so right now is Family Promise. And... Uh, in July, we are going to send our money to the Care Connection, which is a ministry of grace, which is um, adult care, uh, you know, during the week. And we have several members that have worked there. It is a wonderful ministry, and they need our help. So next month, that's what we're going to do. And I also want to report a very nice letter, and I'll put this out in the narthex on the table, but the month before... We were sending money to Lutherans for Life, and we got a very nice letter. Lutherans for Life is about alternatives to abortions and alternatives to um, assisted suicide. And so thank you for your generous giving on that. We sent them $494 uh, 
uh, for uh, their efforts. And so I'll put that. I just, I'm grateful. Thank you for giving above and beyond what you already do. So we'll get started this morning uh, with our opening hymn. Hit it, Tim. Great is 
you please stand if you're able? We come together this morning in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Almighty God, to whom all hearts are open and all desires are known, and from whom no secrets are hid, cleanse the thoughts of our hearts by the inspiration of your Holy Spirit, that we may perfectly love you and worthily magnify your holy name through Jesus Christ, our Lord. Amen. In 1 John chapter 1, verses 8 through 9, it says, If we say that we have no sin, we deceive ourselves, and the truth is not in us. But if we confess our sins, God, who is faithful and just, will forgive our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Let's take a moment with silent reflection. Let us confess our sins to God our Father, most merciful God. We confess that we are by nature sinful and unclean. We have sinned against you in thought, word, and deed. By what we have done, and by what we have left undone. We have not loved you with our whole heart. We have not loved our neighbors as ourselves. We justly deserve your present and eternal punishment. For the sake of your Son, Jesus Christ, have mercy on us. Forgive us, renew us, and lead us, so that we may delight in your will and walk in your ways to the glory of your holy name. Amen. Almighty God, in his mercy, has given his son to die for you. And for his sake, he forgives you all of your sins. And as your called and ordained servant of Christ, and by his authority, I therefore declare to you the entire forgiveness of all of your sins, in the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. The grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, the love of God, and the communion of the Holy Spirit be with you all. In peace, let us pray to the Lord. Lord, have mercy. For the peace from above and for our salvation, let us pray to the Lord. Lord, have mercy. For the peace of the whole world, for the well-being of the church of God, and for the unity of all, let us pray to the Lord. Lord, have mercy. For this holy house and for all who offer here their worship and praise, let us pray to the Lord. Lord, have mercy. Help, save, comfort, and defend us, gracious Lord. Amen. 
This is the feast of victory for our God. Alleluia. Worthy is Christ, the Lamb who was slain, whose blood set us free to be people of God. Power and riches and wisdom and strength and honor and blessing and glory are his. This is the feast of victory for our God. Alleluia. Sing with all the people of God and join in the hymn of all creation, blessing and honor and glory and might be to God and the Lamb forever. Amen. This is the feast of victory for our God, for the Lamb who was slain has begun his reign. Alleluia, alleluia. The Lord be with you. Let us pray. Heavenly Father, during his earthly ministry, your son Jesus healed the sick and he raised the dead. By the healing medicine of the word and sacraments, pour into our hearts such love toward you that we may live eternally through the same Jesus Christ, our Lord, who lives and reigns with you and the Holy Spirit, one God, now and forever. Amen. You may be seated. Before reading this scripture, I did some research, and, um, and it was interesting because the uh, men's Bible studies in the portals of prayer, and the theme was pretty much the same for the whole week as what we're reading this morning in the Old Testament. So both the Old Testament readings have a similar theme, which matched this, you know, what we did in the portals of prayer. We are or have been uh, miserable in our situations, but God is with us and gives us hope and assurance, actually, of good that will come to us in God's time. So we start with uh, Lamentations, Book of Lamentations, chapter 3, verses 22 through 33, but I'm going to read verses 20 through 33. can be found in your pew Bible on page 1279. The Book of Lamentations, I, I like to call the Book of Wines, whining, book of complaints. It's, it's reported to have been written by the prophet uh, Jeremiah, who wrote the book previous and foretold the fall of Jerusalem and the temple. And then it did. And then the book of Lamentations talks about the misery all these people were in, but at the end, the hope that God will restore everything. So that's where we're going with this. 
So starting with, uh, I think, verse 19. I remember my affliction and my wandering, the bitterness and the gall. I well remember them, and my soul is downcast within me. Yet this I call to mind, and therefore have hope. Because of the Lord's great love, we are not consumed, for his compassions never fail. They are new every morning. Great is your faithfulness. I say to myself, the Lord is my portion, therefore I will wait for him. The Lord is good to those who hope is in him, to the one who seeks him. It is good to wait quietly for the salvation of the Lord. It is good for a man to bear the yoke while he is young. Let him sit alone in silence, for the Lord has laid it on him. Let him bury his face in the dust. There may yet be hope. Let him offer his cheek to one who would strike him, and let him be filled with disgrace. For no one is cast off by the Lord forever. Though he brings grief, he will show compassion. So great is his unfailing love. For he does not willingly bring affliction or grief to anyone. The second reading is Psalm 30. And we'll read that responsively. It's printed in your bulletin. Congregation will read the bold face print. It's a Psalm of David, probably for the rededication of Jerusalem's temple and in praise to God. I will exalt you, Lord, for you lifted me out of the depths and did not let my enemies gloat over me. Lord, my God, I called to you for help, and you healed me. You, Lord, brought me up from the realm of the dead. You spared me from going down to the pit. Sing the praises of the Lord, you, his faithful people. Praise his holy name. For his anger lasts only a moment, but his favor lasts a lifetime. Weeping may stay for the night, but rejoicing comes in the morning. When I felt secure, I said, I will be shaken. Lord, when you favored me, you made my royal mountain stand firm. But when you hid your face, I was dismayed. To you, Lord, I called. To the Lord, I cried for mercy. What is gained if I am silenced, if I go down to the pit? Will the dust praise you? Will it proclaim your faithfulness? Hear, Lord, and be merciful to me. Lord, be my help. You turned my wailing into dancing. You removed my sackcloth and clothed me with joy, that my heart may sing your praises and not be silent. Lord, my God, I will praise you forever. Now, the epistle this morning is taken from Paul's second letter to the Corinthians, chapter 8, verses 1 through 9, and verse 13 through 15. And it can be found in your pew Bible on page 1801. This is the second letter Paul wrote to the people of Corinth, Greece. Paul lauds and compares the grace-filled giving of the people of Macedonia with that of the people of Corinth, comparing both to the grace given by God in Christ. We should all demonstrate grace in giving to others. 2 Corinthians chapter 8, beginning with the first verse. 
And now, brothers and sisters, we want you to know about the grace that God has given the Macedonian churches. In the midst of a very severe trial, their overflowing joy and their extreme poverty welled up in rich generosity. For I testify that they gave as much as they were able, and even beyond their ability. Entirely on their own, they urgently pleaded with us for the privilege of sharing in this service to the Lord's people. And they exceeded our expectations. They gave themselves first of all to the Lord, and then, by the will of God, also to us. So we urged Titus, just as he had earlier made a beginning, to bring also to completion this act of grace on your part. But since you excel in everything, in faith, in speech, in knowledge, in complete earnestness, and in the love we have kindled in you, see that you also excel in this grace of giving. I'm not commanding you, but I want to test the sincerity of your love by comparing it with the earnestness of others. For you know the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, that though he was rich, yet for your sake he became poor, so that you, through his poverty, might become rich. Our desire is not that others might be relieved while you are hard-pressed, but that there might be equality. At the present time, your plenty will supply what they need, so that in turn their plenty will supply what you need. The goal is equality. As it is written, the one who gathered much did not have too much, and the one who gathered little did not have too little. Here ends the reading. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Hallelujah, Lord, to whom shall we go? You have the words of eternal life. Hallelujah. The Holy Gospel according to St. Mark, the fourth chapter. Glory to you, O Lord. Holy Gospel this morning is from St. Mark, the fifth chapter. It is found on page 1559 in your pew Bible. Mark 5, verses 21 through 43. When Jesus had again crossed over by boat to the other side of the lake, a large crowd gathered around him while he was by the lake. And then one of the synagogue leaders named Jairus came, and when he saw Jesus, he fell at his feet. He pleaded earnestly with him, My little daughter is dying. Please come and put your hands on her so that she will be healed and live. So Jesus went with him, now a large crowd followed, and they pressed around him. And a woman was there who had been subject to bleeding for 12 years. She had suffered a great deal under the care of many doctors. 
and had spent all that she had. Yet instead of getting better, she grew worse. And when she heard about Jesus, she came up behind him in the crowd and touched his cloak. Because she thought, if I just touch his clothes, I will be healed. And immediately, her bleeding stopped, and she felt in her body that she was freed from her suffering. And at once, Jesus realized that power had gone out from him, and he turned around in the crowd, and he asked, who, who touched my clothes? You see the people crowding around you and against you, his disciples answered. And yet, you can ask who touched me? But Jesus kept looking around to see who had done it. And then the woman, knowing that what had happened to her, she came and fell at his feet and trembling with fear, told him the whole truth. And he said to her, daughter, your faith has healed you. Go in peace and be freed from your suffering. And while Jesus was still speaking, some people came from the house of Jairus, the synagogue leader. Your daughter is dead, they said. Why bother the teacher anymore? And overhearing what they said, Jesus told him, don't be afraid. Just believe. And he did not let anyone follow him except for Peter and James and John, the brother of James. And when they came to the home of the synagogue leader, Jesus saw a commotion with people crying and wailing loudly. He went in and he said to them, why all this commotion and, and wailing? The child is not dead, but asleep. And they laughed at him. And after he put them all out, he took the child's father and mother and the disciples who were with him, and he went in where the child was. And he took her by the hand, and he said to her, Talitha kum, which means little girl, I say to you, get up. And immediately the girl stood up and began to walk around. She was 12 years old. And at this, they were completely astonished. He gave strict orders not to let anyone know about this, and he told them to give her something to eat. This is the gospel of the Lord. Praise to you, O Christ. You may be seated. Will you pray with me? May the words from my mouth and the meditation of all of our hearts be acceptable in thy sight, O Lord, our rock and our redeemer. Amen. In the name of Jesus, for as we know, nothing good comes from anywhere else. This is the fourth Sunday after Pentecost, and... Uh, our reading this morning, um, actually, excuse me, it is the fifth. I wrote that wrong. Our reading from Mark is what I will be proclaiming from. 
We often say that Jesus held three offices. He held the office of prophet, of priest, and of king. And in today's gospel, we're going to focus on his office as the prophet. Now, a prophet is one who speaks for God. In a way, Jesus has to be a prophet because we know that he is both fully God and fully man and that every word that comes out of his mouth is God's word. And if you ask this question, it's rhetorical, but who could speak for God better than God himself? And yet, even with that, there is more to it, more to being a prophet than just that. There's a popular notion of a prophet is that they, they foretell the future. And while it is true that some prophets foretold the future, it is really a very small part of the calling of a prophet. Prophets actually spent most of their time calling people's attention to things that they should know. Things that they should know but have chosen to ignore. When you read the prophets of the Old Testament, the common thread to their message is that God wants to protect his people from evil things of this world, and it is a really bad idea to reject God, even going so far as to tell him to leave me alone. And when you tell God to stop meddling in your affairs, well, that includes his meddlesome protection from evil. Evil like those neighboring countries that would like to enslave you if they could. Evil like plagues and evil like earthquakes and other natural disasters. And it goes further for those who insist on keeping God out of their lives until they die. God will even withhold that meddlesome sense of his eternal presence. And sadly, people often ignored the prophets and their message, and they suffered the consequences. Prophets' lives were often frustrating because they had God's words of salvation, and no one wanted to hear them. The Old Testament prophets, they also performed miracles. Some prophets, Elisha, healed leprosy. Think Naaman. That's in 2 Kings 5. Others even brought people back from the dead. Again, think Elisha. And some of the miracles seem sort of trivial, although they're pretty cool, do you remember or have you come across Elisha and he's out with a man that's chopping wood and his axe falls in the water and the man in despair goes, oh no, I borrowed that. 
And Elisha throws a stick into the water where it fell, and it floated up. It's in there. 2 Kings chapter 6, verses 1 through 7. Jesus very much followed in the footsteps of the Old Testament prophets. Like the Old Testament prophets, Jesus' miracles were a sign. They were a sign that his teachings are and were true. And every miracle that Jesus did was unique. Follow me. Sometimes he went to someone's house, and other times he healed from afar. And sometimes he simply spoke a word. And other times he incorporated means, such as making a mud pack from the dust in his own saliva, and then applying it to the eyes of the blind. And many times our Lord Jesus, he touched the untouchable. The miracles of a prophet were part of his teaching ministry. And even today, we can learn much from the miracles related to us in God's word. The miracles in today's gospel are absolutely no exception. Let's pick them apart. The first miracle in today's gospel deals with a woman who was the victim of a Real rock in a hard place. What do you mean by that, Pastor? Well, she's in a, in a situation that it's bad if she does what she wants to do, and it's bad if she doesn't do what she feels she needs to do. This woman had been dealing with a bleeding disorder for 12 years. And we know that there was a set of ceremonial regulations that dealt with people who had this disorder. And beginning at Leviticus 15.25, I won't read it for you, we learn that such people were ceremonially unclean. They were just as unclean in the public's eye as lepers. And this woman should keep her distance from people. She should certainly not be in any crowd of people, and yet, and yet her hope, her only hope of healing from her uncleanness was in that crowd, walking in that crowd. And her condition was so desperate that she decided to violate the regulation. She hoped to infiltrate into that crowd just to touch Jesus. And then her plan was to escape without being noticed. She entered into that crowd of people that were around Jesus, and she was exposing every one of them to her uncleanness. She was risking a great deal, a great deal, as she quietly walked up, made her way through the crowd in order to just touch Jesus' garment. And this woman's plan it seemed to work. She made her way to Jesus. She touched his garment. She felt the healing within and knew that she had, that bleeding had stopped. And she was about to make her great escape when Jesus stopped. And he turned around. And he said, who touched my garments? 
Given the size and nature of the crowd and the attitudes, as we know, of the disciples, they didn't quite know what to make of such a question. They pointed out that people were jostling each other all over the place. But the woman knew who and what Jesus meant. As Jesus continued to wait, the woman had no choice but to confess. She had taken a miracle without telling Jesus about it. And it's possible she might have felt as though she had stolen the miracle. And this woman knew that she was unworthy to be in the presence of Jesus. Now picture this. How soothing it must have been for her to hear Jesus' voice as he said to her this, Daughter, daughter, your faith has made you well. Go in peace and be healed of your disease. Think of that, daughter. He claimed her. Go in peace. He didn't scold her, and and he didn't punish her, and he didn't ridicule her. Instead, he had included her in his family and given her his peace. It's part of why we say, peace be with you. We're giving each other his peace. And now she's truly free of both her affliction and of her guilt. And only now, at this moment, was her healing complete. Now, like that woman, we all have secrets. We all have done shameful things. And we have thought shameful thoughts. And we all struggle with things that we hope will remain private forever. Mistaken judgments. Bad lifestyle choices. Medical and psychological addictions. Evil thoughts. Evil desires and so on. We all hope that some things will never see the light of day. There are things that we are afraid to admit even in our prayers. We may think that we can keep our secrets hidden, even from God. We may think it's in our best interest to bury our secrets forever. The only problem is that that can't happen. With God, there are no secrets. He knows. He knows everything. He knows the things that we hide, even from ourselves. And thankfully, Jesus doesn't use his knowledge against us. He loves us, and he wants to cure us of our guilt. He wants to heal our spirits. He wants to give us his peace. Now, that is the reason that he was on this earth in the first place. He did not come to condemn, but he came to heal. He came to save us from our secrets 
and not-so-secret sins. He exposed himself to our unclean thoughts and feelings and desires. And what did he do? He exchanged them, not just for cleanliness, but for his holiness. And he took our sins to the cross, and he died for all of them, even for those that are secret, even those that are buried deep and that are forgotten. And he already knows our secrets, and he has already paid for them, every one of them. And we can join that woman at his feet and we can tell him the whole truth. And then we too can hear his words, these healing words as he says this. My son, my daughter, your faith has made you well. Go in peace and be healed of your disease. That's why we can call him Abba. That's why we can pray to him, hey, Dad, Daddy, I need you. And he responds. We can be truly free of our guilt and certain in the knowledge of our salvation by what Jesus does, has done, and continue to do, does for us, do for us. Now, while Jesus was dealing with this woman, Someone was waiting. Someone was waiting to get going. Jairus, you remember him? The Bible records no words from Jairus during the exchange between Jesus and the woman, but I know that if I were there, I would be thinking, all right already. I mean, I do that at a red light that turns green and think, hey, what are you waiting for an invitation? Go. We got places to go. My daughter is sick. I need you. I was here first. You know, this woman, Jesus, has been bleeding for 12 years. What harm can there be in another day or two? Don't me, my daughter, let's go. My daughter's near death. Boy, they don't record that, and that was a little license I took, but it might be true. But what we hear instead happen is that just as they are about to get underway again, the messengers came from the house with the news that the daughter had died. And I'm sure that Jairus was beside himself with grief. And Jesus gave Jairus words of comfort. He said this, Do not fear, but believe. And with these words, Jesus assured Jairus that there was still hope. With these words, Jesus gave Jairus the strength to carry on. And Jesus accompanied Jairus to his house, and he began teaching him to see with new eyes. How? Well, as he entered Jairus' home, he said to the mourners, Why are you making a commotion? Why are you crying? The child is not dead but sleeping. And where the world saw death, 
Our Savior saw someone that he could awaken more easily than a parent can awaken a child. Now, that experience is probably a long time ago for you, but this morning, it's not all that easy to wake him up. But Jesus looks at this little girl that the world says is dead, and he goes, oh, I can wake her up. Watch. And so Jesus went into the girl, and he took her by the hand, and with a few words, he not only brought her to life, but he brought her back to perfect health. This miracle, this miracle is a demonstration on a small scale of the great resurrection, the great resurrection that waits for all of us on the last day. And on that day, Jesus will cause all the dead to raise, arise from their graves. And those who believe in Jesus will rise to eternal life. And those who do not will rise to eternal judgment. There is one great difference between the resurrection that I just described of Jairus' daughter and the resurrection on the last day. You see, Jairus' daughter was restored to a state that was consistent to her age of 12 years. And from there, she continued to grow. And eventually, she died again. And on the last day, we will rise, all of us, not and never die again. And we know this because the one who grasped the hand of a dead daughter and restored her to life he is also risen from the dead. And on the last day, he will take our hand, your hand, my hand, and raise us as well. Not to return to life here, but to life without end. The Holy Spirit inspired Paul to write this in 1 Corinthians fifteen fifty-three. He said, This perishable body must put on the imperishable and this mortal body must put on immortality. The last day is coming for all of us. And on that day, we will no longer be ashamed. All of our sins, even our secret sins, will be gone forgiven by the blood of Jesus Christ. And we know, we have confidence, that Christ will call us forth, and we shall be united with him, face to face with him, forever. In the name of Jesus, amen.
Stand if you're able. Let us confess together our faith to the words of the Apostles' Creed found on page three of your bulletin. I believe in God the Father Almighty, 
creator of heaven and earth. I believe in Jesus Christ, his only Son, our Lord. He was conceived by the power of the Holy Spirit and born of the Virgin Mary. He suffered under Pontius Pilate, was crucified, died, and was buried. He descended into hell, and on the third day he rose again. He ascended into heaven and is seated at the right hand of the Father. He will come again to judge the living and the dead. I believe in the Holy Spirit, the Holy Christian Church, the communion of saints, the forgiveness of sins, the resurrection of the body, and the life everlasting. Amen. Let us pray for all people in accordance to their needs. O Lord, from whom our help comes, you have brought us into your holy Christian church and made Christ our shield from every enemy. Preserve us in such faith until at last you bring us out of this world and into the resurrection forevermore. Lord, in your mercy... Holy Father, you have shown to your church the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, who for our sakes became poor, that by his poverty we might become rich. Give us generous hearts, that our abundance may supply our fellow saints in their need. Let our preachers serve to, for the sake of Christ's call, and not for earthly gain. And let those who have received excellence in faith, speech, knowledge, and every other gift of God's word provide richly for the preaching of the gospel and the work of the church. Lord, in your mercy, and gracious Lord, your compassion does not willingly afflict or grieve the children of men. But your mercies are new every morning. Bestow your steadfast love on every Christian home. Turn parents in kindness to their children. Make children ready in obedience and love toward their parents and each other. Let the young learn discipline and trust in you. And let fathers not exasperate their children, but be devoted to the fear and instruction of the Lord as examples to them. Lord, in your mercy, Almighty God, be with the governing authorities and enable them to preserve peace and order in our nation. Hear our prayers for our president and our governor, our military and police, and other civil servants. Increase a spirit of unity and cooperation among the people of our land and the nations of the world. Lord, in your mercy. And Lord, you did not turn aside the bold request of Jairus nor the timid faith of the woman. We implore you to hear our prayers for those in need and drive away our fears and give us believing faith. Give healing and strength to the sick and suffering, especially Jerry, right now. And we lift up 
James, the son of Chow Fan. Father, we ask healing, your healing hands to be upon both of these men and also on that sweet mother. Give comfort to those who mourn in the knowledge that Christ has destroyed death and that all who die in him are only sleeping until you awaken them at the last day. Lord, in your mercy, Heavenly Father, your Son used his divine powers as a man on earth to heal and to save. We thank you that he continues to use his divine powers as a man bodily present in the Holy Sacrament to deliver his healing and saving power to faith. Grant that we may worthily seek this medicine of immortality in the Lord's Supper, believing his promises and receiving them now and in eternity. Lord, in your mercy, these and whatever else you would have us ask of you, O God, grant us for the sake of Jesus Christ, your Son, our Lord, who lives and reigns with you in the Holy Spirit, one God, now and forever. Amen. And now may the peace of the Lord be with you always. Let us share the peace any way you want. You can shake hands and hug and all that stuff. We don't have COVID anymore. Okay, sharing the love. Come on. They're not listening to me. It's just like home. <laughs> it's kind of nice to be able to do this again, isn't it? To say hello to everybody. It really is. It, it is heaven. In fact, just so everyone knows, in case I touched my nose, while well, between now and the time, I got a little of this on here, so we're going to be okay. Will you please stand if you're able? Will you pray with me? Blessed are you, O Lord our God, maker of all things. Through your goodness you have blessed us with these gifts. With them we offer ourselves to your service and dedicate our lives to the care and redemption of all that you have made for the sake of him who gave himself for us, Jesus Christ our Lord.
The Lord be with you. Lift up your hearts. Let us give thanks to the Lord our God. It is indeed right and salutary that we should at all times and in all places offer thanks and praise to you, O Lord, Holy Father, through Christ our Lord, who on this day overcame death and the grave. And by his glorious resurrection, he opened to us the way of everlasting life. And so with the church on earth and the hosts of heaven, we praise your name and join their unending hymn. Holy, holy, holy Lord, Lord God of power and might, heaven and earth are full of your glory. Hosanna in the highest. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Hosanna in the highest. In the night in which he was betrayed, our Lord Jesus took the bread and he gave thanks. And then he broke it, giving it to his disciples, saying, Take and eat. This is my body given for you. Do this in remembrance of me. And again, after supper, Jesus took the cup and he gave thanks. And then he gave it to his disciples saying, take and drink. This is the new covenant in my blood shed for you and for all people for the forgiveness of sins. Do this in remembrance of me. For we know as often as we eat of this bread and drink of this cup, we proclaim Christ's death, his resurrection, and his glorious triumphant coming again. Let us now pray together the prayer that Jesus did give to us. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, and the power, and the glory, forever and ever. Amen. You may be seated. Now, On that cross, you've heard me say, I'm going to say it again. You might even be able to say it with me right now. It wasn't nails that held him to that cross. It was his love for you because he loves you. And God didn't send his son to condemn the world, but to rescue it. Amen? And this is the sacrament that he set apart for us. He said, this is my body. This is my blood. And unlike the Roman Catholics, we do not believe that that bread just turned into flesh or that wine turned into actual blood. But we do believe this. We believe that Jesus, we take him at his word, and he says, I'm with you. And so he is in, on, above, below, side by side of the sacrament. And this is just something that we receive. There's something that he tells us is good, and through our faith in the Holy Spirit, he does something miraculous with it. Come, the table is prepared. 
The ushers will bring you up.
get right to it. Now the benediction. But please, before we do, keep Jerry Garner in your prayers. Uh, he looked okay, but he's having a little fluttery heart. And uh, so the ambulance came and took him while we were having our service. And also keep Mama Chow in your prayers for her son, James. You know Mama Chow's private person, so um, I let her know we'd be praying for her, and that's about it. But please keep those and anyone else um, that comes to your mind in prayer, and uh, let me or the office know uh, your prayer concerns, because we do have the, the prayer chain that's going on as well. And so now the benediction. May the Lord bless you and keep you. May the Lord make his face shine on you and be gracious to you. May the Lord look upon you with favor and grant you his perfect peace. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. And our closing song is, Oh, the Deep, Deep Love of Jesus. Oh, the deep, deep love of Jesus.
Sure.